0: Hello, and welcome to another episode of Dr. J's American Passages. I'm Dr. J. Today's American Passage is from the Journal of John Woolman. John Woolman was born in rural Burlington County, New Jersey, in 1720. He succumbed to a smallpox infection and died in York, England, in 1772, His journal is a classic of Christian spirituality. It's also a handbook for progressive social action. These two aspects of the journal, Christian spirituality and progressive social action, can't be separated, and so I'll be discussing both. Woolman was an early leader in the Quaker abolitionist movement, and that is the focus of the passages from his journal I've chosen for today. He also was a leader in concern for the poor, concern for animals, concern for Native Americans, and concern for peace and the end to wars. I will return to some of those concerns in future episodes. The Quakers are distinguished among Christians by many traits, practices, and beliefs, They are without any formalities of worship. They gather together in silence, and remain silent until someone among them is moved by the inner light to speak. Any there gathered may do so without regard to gender or position. If none are so moved, they depart in silence. They are similarly guided in their daily lives by the inner light, rather than by the Bible. In this, they follow the promise made by Christ to those who believe in him, in the 14th chapter of the Gospel of John. In the two passages from his journal I've chosen for this episode, Woolman recalls his growing conviction that slavery was evil, and his own resistance to its continuance in the American colonies. There is much we can learn from these passages today. Though he became known throughout the American and European world for his work to end slavery, his resistance was local and personal first, as you will hear. Woolman's writing is clear and simple, and all the more forceful for its clarity and simplicity. He uses two terms in these passages that reflect his Quaker heritage. He uses the word Society with a capital S and Friend with a capital F. The Quakers didn't call their sect or themselves Quakers, but rather the Society of Friends. Thus, Society means the Quakers, and Friend means an individual Quaker. The first passage records two events when he was 23 years old, and working as a clerk for a local merchant. His work involved drawing up legal documents, and he recalls the crisis of conscience he experienced when, still new to the world beyond his family's farm, he's asked to draw up bills of sale for enslaved people. The year is 1743. Let's listen. From the Journal of John Woolman. My employer, having a Negro woman, sold her, and desired me to write a bill of sale, the man being waiting who bought her. The thing was sudden, and though the thoughts of writing an instrument of slavery for one of my fellow creatures felt uneasy, yet I remembered I was hired by the year, that it was my master who directed me to do it and that it was an elderly man, a member of our society, who bought her. So, through weakness, I gave way, and wrote. But at the executing of it, I was so afflicted in my mind that I said, before my master and the friend, that I believed slave-keeping to be a practice inconsistent with the Christian religion. This, in some degree, abated my uneasiness. Yet, As often as I reflected seriously upon it, I thought I should have been clearer if I had desired to have been excused from it as a thing against my conscience, for such it was. Sometime after this, a young man of our society spoke to me to write a conveyance of a slave to him, he having lately taken a negro into his house. I told him I was not easy to write it. For, though many of our meeting and in other places kept slaves, I still believed the practice was not right, and desired to be excused from the writing. I spoke to him in good will, and he told me that keeping slaves was not altogether agreeable to his mind, but that the slave being a gift to his wife, he had accepted her. It might be easy for some today to look down on this passage rather than look up to it, but I think that would be a mistake, and a somewhat dishonest one at that. It is in the first place a remarkably honest passage. In the first instance, the young woman is asked to do something he doesn't feel good about doing, and that we know is morally wrong, yet he nevertheless goes ahead and does it. We wouldn't have, we think, an easy thought to have. But what is Woolman's situation? He is in his first job. He is asked to do something perfectly legal, and that the society he's in is comfortable with. It is the man he works for who pays his wages who asks him to do it. It is a Quaker elder who is making the purchase. Who is he to say it's wrong? yet he feels it to be wrong. His mind is uneasy. Yet he goes ahead and does it. He draws up a bill of sale for a fellow human being. It is, he says, a moment of weakness. He does say it's wrong, and this makes him feel better, but it isn't enough. He shouldn't have done it at all. We can judge him if we wish. on the other hand we can admire him for attending to the inner light within him and speaking it, and for his honesty in telling us of his moral failure. The second instance he tells of carries the story further. He doesn't write the bill of sale. Furthermore, we hear of the thoughts of the man who asked for the bill of sale to be drawn up, which we don't in the first instance. He, too, isn't entirely easy with the business, but is going ahead with it anyway. These are two steps forward, a step forward by Woolman in refusing, and a step forward by the man who would hire him in admitting it doesn't seem right. The sale, though, we assume, still takes place. Woolman doesn't try to suggest otherwise. Progress, but not enough progress. Now we skip ahead a few years. In the intervening time, Woolman becomes more involved in the Quaker community, drafting a statement, to take one example, opposing the participation of Quakers in the military struggle between France and England, known widely as the Seven Years' War, and in America specifically as the French and Indian War. Shortly after the publication of this statement, Woolman finds himself twice again approached to draw up a legal document for the conveyance of slaves, in these cases in the form of wills bequeathing slaves. Let's return to Woolman's journal. About this time, an ancient man of good esteem in the neighborhood came to my house to get his will written. He had young Negroes, and I asked him privately how he purposed to dispose of them. He told me. I then said, I cannot write thy will without breaking my own peace," and respectfully gave him my reasons for it. He signified that he had a choice that I should have written it, but as I could not, consistent with my conscience, he did not desire it and so he got it written by some other person. A few years later, after there being great alterations in his family, he came again to get me to write his will. His Negroes were yet young, and his son, to whom he intended to give them, was, since he first spoke to me, from a libertine become a sober young man, and he supposed that I would have been free on that account to write it. We had much friendly talk on the subject, and then deferred it. A few days after, he came again and directed their freedom, and then I wrote his will. Near the time the last mentioned friend first spoke to me, a neighbor received a bad bruise in his body and sent for me to bleed him, which, being done, he desired me to write his will. I took notes and, amongst other things, he told me to which of his children he gave his young negro. I considered the pain and distress he was in, and knew not how it would end. So I wrote his will, save only that part concerning his slave, and carrying it to his bedside, read it to him, and then told him in a friendly way, THAT I COULD NOT WRITE ANY INSTRUMENTS BY WHICH MY FELLOW CREATURES WERE MADE SLAVES, WITHOUT BRINGING TROUBLE ON MY OWN MIND. I LET HIM KNOW THAT I CHARGED NOTHING FOR WHAT I HAD DONE, AND DESIRED TO BE EXCUSED FROM DOING THE OTHER PART IN THE WAY HE PROPOSED. WE THEN HAD A SERIOUS CONFERENCE ON THE SUBJECT. AT LENGTH, HE agreeing TO SET HER FREE, I FINISHED HIS WILL and so we see progress continue. We see Woolman's conscience, his attention to the inner light, resulting in the freeing of slaves. Not many, and certainly not the end of slavery, but a few from two different owners. Woolman is beginning to achieve important things, and it's valuable, I think, to see how he does it. In the first place, woman is not confrontational. He talks seriously with slave owners, but without anger or condescension or even disrespect. He describes the exchanges as friendly. In the first case, he doesn't at first succeed. Some years pass before the so-called owner directs that his slaves be set free, but he does. Would he have done so sooner if a woman had been more confrontational? Or might he never have done so at all? The second instance shows again more progress. The suffering, perhaps dying man agrees to the freeing of his slave at the end of their first discussion. Be the change you want to see. Neil Young, among others, has made this injunction familiar to us today. John Woolman was the living embodiment of these words. Being the change you want to see may not seem like much, given the tremendous problems of the world, the global injustice and destruction, but look at John Woolman. I've brought the story to the freeing of a few slaves in the American colonies before the Revolutionary War. Okay good, but far, far, far from enough. But Woolman's story continues. Recall that he died in England in 1772. What was he doing there? He was there to participate in the London Yearly Meeting of English Quakers, which produced a statement in support of the abolition of slavery. The opposition to slavery in England by Quakers soon was joined by Methodists and other English Christian denominations and eventually found voices in England's Parliament, as well in English Canada and throughout Europe. By the early years of the 19th century, slavery was abolished throughout much of Europe, as well as in the colonies of England and Spain, Including Canada and Mexico. Woolman's home colony, New Jersey, abolished slavery in 1804. Other Northern American colonies and the states that they became did so as well, some sooner and some later. Only the American South held out. John Woolman wasn't alone among the Quakers in his early opposition to slavery but he felt alone and acted alone until he had compatriots, making some and finding others. Eventually, the Western world turned against slavery. The abolition of slavery came slowly. Would it have come instantly and all at once? What a better world we would live in now. But we can learn from John Woolman's journal how change can come. Not soon enough, but soon, if we become the change we want to see. Until next time, I'm Dr. J.